glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know if you realize it or not, Wednesday night, but that was a total surprise to me. Shame on you. To deceive your pastor that way. That's just, that's just not nice. So, but anyway, thank you. And thank you for the gift. It was a blessing, is a blessing. Why don't we talk with you today? <clears throat> Seems appropriate since tomorrow is Christmas Eve. The true meaning of Christmas. You know, there's so many things, so, so many distractions. There's <laughs> so many things going on. There's so many definitions of what Christ, Christmas really is. That I, I think we can get so caught up in all the, the stuff that we lose sight of what Christmas really is. And, and you know, really, it's, <clears throat> it's so much the culture of the day that we're in that uh, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of what he's done for us is is so lost. You know, uh, we, we look at Christmas as a, as a time of giving, and it, it is. It's, it's a wonderful time to give. But you know, we can get so caught up in the concept that it's a time of giving that we lose sight of the fact that it's a time to remember what we receive. Because it it really isn't all about us. It's about Jesus. It's about how he loved us so much that he came and he gave his life so that you and I might be able to have life and that we might have it abundantly. And, you know, this time of the year we think of Christmas and we think of it in the context of Jesus being born as a babe in the manger. And we sing songs concerning that, and we rightfully should. But what we lose sight of sometimes is the very purpose, the very reason why Jesus came. And that's the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came that he might live, that he might die, that he might pay the ultimate sacrifice for you and I, so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, that we can have confidence, that we can have assurance of heaven. And, you know, people look at Christmas time and we have the, you know, banners and everything. We don't, I guess. But we have banners and everything about peace on earth and so forth. And um, wouldn't be peace on earth be wonderful? <clears throat> but you need to read the Bible. You know, because uh, peace amongst men isn't going to manifest. And so we're going to look at that a little bit today, this morning. Jesus came that we might have peace with the Father. Because whether we realize it or not, because of the fall of man, there's been a war, there's been a battle, there's been a separation between God and man. And we look at the things in the Old Testament, and oftentimes what people try to do is they try to translate the things that we see in the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, you'll hear statements like, well, you know, if God is a God of justice, 
uh, what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. He needs to do to America and he needs to do to other parts of the world. But the problem is, is any individual that makes that statement is still living in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. And what we need to realize, and I want every one of you, if you don't, if you don't get a hold of anything else this morning, I want to make sure that you know this before you leave here this morning. God's not mad at you. Because we have a world of people thinking that God is mad at them. And so we see all these catastrophes, we see all these disasters throughout the world. We experience things in our life and we think it's because God's mad at us. I want you to know something. God is not mad at you. In fact, God came for the very, Jesus came for the very purpose that he might bring peace for you and me, the Father God. And so now we have peace with God because of Jesus. And so if you've got your Bibles, it'll be up on the board, I'm sure. But if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke, the second chapter. <clears throat> We're going to begin reading in the, in the eighth verse. It says... <clears throat> Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Everybody say good tidings. I like good tidings. I like the good report. Amen. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. We thank you that it brings revelation. We thank you that we can live by it and abide by it. And so, Father, this morning we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you would have to share with each one of us. Father, we want to know you in the power of your resurrection. We want to know you intimately, personally. And so, Father, reveal yourself to us in a mighty way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says, what I want us to see in this passage is that when the angel spoke, to these shepherds. Notice it wasn't for just a select few, a certain segment of the population. Said it was for all men. It's for each and every one of us. In other words, he's not withholding. You know, the Bible says it's his will for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And so that means it's God's will for everyone to know 
this reality, this truth that Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus was raised from the dead for our justification. It wasn't for a, a select group of people, it was for all man, for all humanity. And I believe that that's why Jesus, in his last words, he gave us the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That he who believes will be saved, and he that does not believe will be condemned. And so this message of Jesus, this message of the cross, this message of salvation was given to all men. And so this Jesus came for all men that we might be saved, but what does it mean to be saved? You know, in, in Matthew one twenty one it says, and uh, this is where the angel is speaking to Joseph. And she saw, <clears throat> and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so Jesus came to save us, but he came to save us for a specific purpose. Came to save us from our sin. And as a result of saving us from our sin or removing sin from our lives, he removed, he was able to remove that barrier between us and the Father that prevented us from being able to have fellowship with the Father. And so Jesus came to remove that barrier. You know, backing up to the Luke 2 in the 14th verse again where it says goodwill uh, toward men. It says, in some translations it says peace among men. In other words, it leaves us with the impression in the translation that Jesus came so that we might have peace with one another. Well, <clears throat> if that were the case, his efforts were not very successful. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because there is turmoil, there is dissensions, there is all kinds of stuff going on in the world. And in fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew the 10th chapter, in the 34th verse, he says, do not think this is Jesus speaking. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And so it's not like he's, he came to create discord, but how many of you realize that when you got more than you in the room, there is the opportunity for discord. There's an opportunity for strife. That's just the nature of man when man is operating in his natural state. You know, that's why Jesus said, was speaking to the disciples, and he talked about there being discord among, among the brethren, and he said the reason for it is because you're of the flesh, you're not of the spirit. 
So the opportunity for each and every one of us is to allow our flesh to dominate. When our flesh and our soul, our unrenewed mind dominates our life, there's going to be discord, there's going to be disagreement, there's going to be disharmony. And so that's what he's talking about here. It's not that Jesus came to bring the discord, it's just what happens. But what does it mean that Jesus came to bring peace if it wasn't amongst us as individuals? It was so that we could have peace with Almighty God. You know, in Matthew, the 24th chapter, where the disciples had asked Jesus, what are going to be some of the signs of the end, the signs of your return? How can we tell when you're about ready to come back when we're in the end times. Of course, you realize we've been in the end times since the day of Pentecost. But this is what Jesus said. And he says, and you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Wow, that kind of sounds like what's going on around us, doesn't it? Well, could it be because we're in the last of the last days? I believe that it is. But I wanted to focus basically on one word. In verse 7 it says, nations will rise against nations. That word nations there in the Greek is the word ethnos. And it's, it's the word that we get ethnic from. And it says there's going to be discord amongst ethnic groups. And again, this is what we see in this world that we live in. We see strife amongst the ethnic groups like we've, we've never seen it before. You know what's interesting is the only place we can truly find peace is in Jesus. Because all of a sudden in Jesus, ethnicity, is that, is that the word? Glory, that was a big one for me. It's in Jesus that we find that peace. You know, it's an interesting thing about, you know, we hear a lot about women's rights and so forth today. But you know what's interesting is, and until you find a country that has the gospel of Jesus Christ, in most other nations, women are just simply a commodity. There's something to be owned. But in Christendom, is the one place where we find our equality. And why is it that we find our equality in Christendom? Because when God created man, he created them male and female. He created them as equal. And so in God, we find equal. We see it in, in Paul where he writes and he says, 
that in Christ Jesus there is neither male nor female. There is neither, you know, this, that, or the other thing. There aren't the races and so forth. We find all of our equality in Jesus. But the moment that you get outside of Jesus, what happens? We find division. We find separation. We find it all in Jesus. And so Jesus came that we might have peace. He came that we might have peace with the Father. And what's interesting is that when we're in the Father, we can once again have peace with one another. Well, you know, because, you know, I've heard all the arguments. You know, well, what about the, you know, what was it called where they had the holy wars and all that kind of stuff? What about all that stuff? Well, let me tell you about all that stuff. The center of it may have been what was the church of the day, but the center of it was not Jesus. Because if the center of it was Jesus, the message would have been salvation. The message would, have been, would not have been destruction. Now, in the Old Testament, Old Testament, everybody say Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see where individuals were commanded to destroy societies because of their heathenism. But you see, they were spiritually dead. And as a result of their spiritual deadness, there was no other avenue by which to deal with them but through the physical. But we're in a new day. Because we're in Jesus. I almost said new age, but that would have freaked everybody out. Because, of course, the world has stolen all of our terms from us. And we're too panic-stricken to be able to take them back. Because, you know, somebody, you know that, Pastor Dave? I heard him this morning. I heard him. I heard him on Facebook. He said, new age. Well, you know what? I am in a new age compared to the old age. After Wednesday night, my aging is aging. But see, we find our peace in God. It's in Jesus. Because if we truly believe what Jesus has done for us, how can we keep our mouth shut? You know, I heard, I I didn't see it myself. It was shared with me. I guess it was on Facebook. But there was this uh, tribe in this nation that was found on this island that had never been preached to. And they're they're, they're so backwards that um, the the country of which it was a part of it made it illegal for anybody to go to that island to just allow them to live in their society. And there was a young man from Oral Roberts that heard about it. And they, he knew that it was dangerous to go. But he says, how can I truly profess to believe this gospel knowing that there's somebody, that there's a tribe in this world that has not had the opportunity to hear 
How can I live with myself knowing that they haven't had the opportunity to hear and not go? And so he had to do everything backwards because it was illegal to go there. He got somebody to take him to the island and he got to the island and, and anyway, he was killed. He was a martyr. And uh, people say all sorts of things, Christians. Well, he should have known better. Should have just left him alone. Yeah, I should have just left him alone and let him go to hell and be happy. Do we believe this gospel? Jesus came so that every ethnic group, that every individual might have the opportunity to hear and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached to them. You know, we have God's heroes in our midst this morning. Pastor Harold and his wife and son Steve went to Africa when it was a very difficult thing. It wasn't like it is today. And they went there and lived amongst the people. Why? So that they might hear the message of Jesus. So that they might, as the scripture says, that they might be saved from their sin. Well, pastor, I just think you ought to leave people like that alone. How can we believe in the message of Jesus and what he came to do and what he came to accomplish and have that kind of a mentality because that's what we see so much today. Just leave them alone. But do we recognize, do we acknowledge what the consequence of that is? And oftentimes we don't because we're of the mentality that what we have here, that this is all there is. No, there is so much more than what we have here. We have a loving Savior who came, who died, who gave his life. And the ultimate purpose of that was that we might be saved from our sin so that we might know that God isn't mad at us anymore. That we can have harmony, that we can have fellowship with him. In a sense, in a true sense, Jesus came as our peace offering. He came, gave his life as a peace offering to be the sacrifice for our sins so that we might experience fellowship with the Father once again, which man had not had to the degree that God desired it since Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. In Romans 2.4 it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forgiveness, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance. You know, it's so important for us to know how good God is. The Bible says the goodness 
of God leads to repentance. In other words, God wants to love you into heaven, not scare the hell out of you. And oftentimes that's what we think the answer is. The answer is heaven, not being afraid of hell. Because I don't know about you, I found something out in my own life. Fear is a motivator, but fear won't sustain me. Love is a greater motivator because love will sustain you. That's why it's so important for us to know the love of God. That's why we need to know the goodness of God. That God the Father isn't sitting up in heaven waiting for us to mess up so that he can whack us a good one over the head. Father God is reaching out to us with loving arms, desiring to embrace us. <clears throat> you know, people, you know, they, they had a hug section for me Wednesday night. Station. Hugging station section, whatever. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I like hugging. But, you know, in the ministry, there was actually something that occurred that revealed to me why it's important. When we lived in Ankeny, Iowa, we went to St. Paul's down there. Our pastor was Pastor Elian, and he's a great Bible teacher. But, you know, of course, you know, it was a Lutheran church, so he wrote wore his robes and everything. You know, and in the Lutheran church at that time, they would shake everybody's hand when you left. You know, I think it was so that you could get them out quicker because it was kind of, good to see you, good to see you, good to see you, good to see you. <clears throat> but Pastor Elian, would always go to the back to the church to do that. But whenever a child came, Pastor Elian, in his holy robe would get down on his hands and knees and he'd give that child a hug. And one time I approached him, I says, Pastor, why, why do you do that? And he says, I do that intentionally. He says, because for many children, their only identification with God is that guy standing up on the fr in the front. And he says, I made this determination that everybody was going to, if they identified me with God, and guess what? Every one of us are to be identified with God. But he said, I wanted them to know that that individual up front that he identified with God loved him. And so I gave him a hug. My hope was with that it would be like they were getting a hug from God. And you know what they were? You know, God loves you. The world wants to portray God as this mean ogre that's out to bring death and destruction into the world. But we have a God that loves us so much 
that he sent his only begotten son to die to pay the price for you and I that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's knowing how wonderful he is. When we realize how blessed we are, we begin to proclaim it. There is a destroyer. John 10.10 10 says that the thief, the devil, the thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I like it. He didn't just come that we might have a good life. He came that we might have an abundantly good life. That's the Jesus that we serve. But pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know how I've messed up. You don't know how I've screwed up. Well, Romans 5.20 says the Bible tells us that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Guess what? It's impossible for you to be too bad for God. Amen! You know, I, I, I think... I think some of us are going to be a little bit shocked when we get to heaven. <laughs> some of the individuals that we see there. Maybe some of them that aren't there. But you know what? God says, no matter how bad you've been, my grace is all sufficient for you. God is just. Injustice requires somebody to pay the price. And that's what Jesus came for. He came to pay the price. Well, pastor, shouldn't we be talking about the baby in the manger? We are. Because that's why that baby born in a manger came. 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, for you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We were bought with a price. You know, <clears throat> I say this, one of the hard things about Christianity is that it's free. If we could just do something, I'd feel so much better about myself if I could just do something. The problem is it's free. But the thing that I want to under, us to understand about it being free is that it wasn't cheap. It cost much. It cost Jesus suffering. You know, tomorrow night at the Christmas Eve service, we're going to talk about Jesus setting aside his deity, so we won't talk about that now. But you know what? It cost him much. It cost God much. He gave his most precious gift, his son. And Jesus was willing to come and pay the price 
so that you and I, that we might be able to have life. It was a huge price that was paid. And how can we take it lightly? We ought not. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19, we're all familiar with this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are in God, or of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, as, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so God sent Jesus so that you and I might be reconciled to him. And Jesus came as the reconciler that through him we might have fellowship with the Father. He was the vessel through which we could get to the Father. But as we said earlier, it's his will for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Now that we have Jesus, now that we are his representatives here in the earth, in the flesh, we are now that vessel that is available to present others, to reconcile others to Father God. You know, the longing in people's lives to have relationship with their Father is overwhelming. I mean, I've known men that were in their 60s and their fathers were dead and gone. Their life was still consumed with this idea of wanting to be pleasing to their father. It's, it's a part of every one of us. And when we're separated from Father God, there is a longing that will never be satisfied, that will never be filled, that only He can fill. Now our earthly father can be a substitute for that to a degree. But we'll never be fulfilled, we'll never be satisfied apart from knowing the love of the Father. It says in this passage, it says, imputing their trespasses. It's kind of a strange word. But it says it's not going to be held against us. Our past, our sins, are not going to be held against us any longer because of what Jesus has done for us. Through the grace of Jesus, our sin, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. The tragedy of somebody going to hell, missing heaven, is that the price has already been paid. 
Jesus on that cross forgave, took the penalty for every sin that has and ever will be committed. And so you take the biggest reprobate sinner you can think of. Jesus paid the price for that. That they might experience heaven. Now whether they receive what Jesus has done for them or not is totally up to them as an individual. But Jesus paid the price. The mistake we make oftentimes is we tie God's ability to our goodness. What happens is this limits what he can do because we're basing what God can do in our life upon our actions. Pastor, you don't believe in actions? Of course I do. James says faith without corresponding action is dead. But I act because of what Jesus has already done for me. We love one another because he first loved us. Any attempt that we make to truly love one another is incomplete and superficial outside of our knowledge of God. You know, we have, and we, 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 we celebrated at this time of the year, we have a Santa Claus mentality. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. We have a Santa Claus mentality because Santa Claus has a list and he's checking it twice to see if you've been naughty or nice. And so what we do is we carry that over to God. We think God's got a list. And that list determines whether I've been good or bad. You know, <clears throat> I remember when I was first saved, you know, people would say, you know, <clears throat> you know, God's got a record of everything you've ever done. And when judgment comes, it's going to be thrown up on a screen and everybody's going to see how bad you are. Well, my father took my son and he cast it as far as the east is from the west. And he says, I will remember them no more. I used to struggle with that. How could God, who is all-knowing, not know? Because he chooses to forget. He chooses to not remember it anymore. He does have a list. He has a book. And he looks in that book and he looks in that book for one thing. To see if our name 
is written in that book of life. And if our name is written in that book of life, our sinner is forgiven and it'll never be brought up again through God. We have confidence and we have assurance that we have a home in heaven. That we have absolutely nothing to fear no matter what comes our way. Because it's not based on my goodness. It's based on his goodness. Because he loved me so much. I have the confidence, I have the assurance that I can depend upon and rely upon him knowing that we're able to love one another. And it isn't just a superficial hug that we give one another. We truly love one another because it isn't my love, it's his love flowing through us. God so loved the world that he gave his son to you and me. That we might have life. That we have, might have it more abundantly. And that we might have a Confident assurance that we have an eternal home prepared for us because we are back in harmony, back in fellowship with Almighty God. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And not only does the Bible tell me so, it's demonstrated through the very fact that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus was resurrected from the dead so that you and I might be justified in the eyes of God the Father and that we may never have to fear again because our assurance is in Him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Let's stand to our feet. Let's lift our hands up to Him and let's thank Him this morning. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and for your love. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's through you that we have been restored to fellowship with Father God. That he's always loved us. But through you, he demonstrated that love. And so, Father, as we celebrate these coming days, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Father, we, may we never forget the true message of Christmas, that through Jesus' coming and through his death, our fellowship was restored.
with our Heavenly Father. And so we're, we're so grateful for that and we're so thankful. And so Father, these coming days, through your precious Holy Spirit, continually bring that back to our remembrance that we would never stray from that truth. That, Father, we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged to share how wonderful you truly are. And so in the name of the Father, the Son, and our precious Holy Spirit, go in His peace, go in His strength, walk in His love, and demonstrate the goodness of God to all whom you come in contact with. And I pray this in the magnificent name of our Savior and Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. And have a Merry Christmas if you don't see it before them.